Good morning. It's a privilege. I'm so happy to be with you here uh, this morning. I would like to take this opportunity to thank uh, Pastor Richard and the church for uh, this opportunity to share with you uh, God's words, what God is doing in the Middle East, what God is doing in our lives and uh, through us. Uh, and I would like to thank God for uh, his presence our meds this morning. I was really sharing the, the, the church, the first service. From the first moment, I feel strongly and believe God is in our midst. Everything leads to, uh, to the topic I'm going to share with you this morning. And the whole idea has been our God is a God of the whole world. Amen. Um, there used to be, we have two, not three, just two seasons in Canada. Forget about summer. As uh, Sheldon said, it's too late, it looks like. But we have two seasons in Canada. First one is winter, and the second one is constructions. Yes, constructions. Good, you got it. You got it. And if you like me, you usually want to be there on time, uh, and you got stuck in construction or you are going to be late, what's going to happen? You're frustrated, sometimes upset, and complaining about all the work going on around. Is that right? And maybe, if you, are in, if you are having a good day, you would pray. Is that right? Asking God to help you to get there early, or maybe to finish all these projects around us as soon as possible. But my message this morning God is really inviting all of us as a church to join him in a very specific construction project and building a high way. And this is the topic for my message. And the title for my talk this morning is Pray for a High Way. Pray for a High Way. The passage uh, Pastor Richard read this morning is, uh, has been on my heart in the last few years, especially after what we call the Arab Spring. And the church has been through a tough time in the Middle East. And the question came to my mind was that what is the role of the church? How the church should respond in the middle of the unrest where war is everywhere in, in the region? As you know, throughout the history, the church has turned to the Bible to try to understand the political situation around, around them. And the church in the Middle East is not different. Is that right? So when the Arab Spring came about, uh, the church, especially in Egypt, started to try to read the political situation, especially from Isaiah chapter 19. So... The Arab Spring started, people had hope, and then all of a sudden, we have the Muslim Brotherhood took over the country. Well, again, people turned to Isaiah, chapter 19, verse 4, and they saw kind of a fulfillment of this prophecy. When we have a harsh, a harsh rural taking over Egypt. However, this is the negative side of the story. But the positive side, some missionaries 
from Egypt was able to go to Iraq and to worship with many Iraqis who came to know the Lord as Savior. So for this group, again, they went to Isaiah chapter 19 and they saw a partial fulfillment of the highway prophecy where the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. But this morning, I'm not going to talk much about this prophecy in a sense to try to read it in its historical context today. And I'm not going to talk, or my my purpose is not to say today uh, this prophecy is fulfilled in Egypt nowadays. But what I'm trying to do is just to answer this question. What does it mean for the church to live and how the church can respond when everything around is it changing? During this disoriented time, where war, as I said, undressed every, everywhere. I would like just to reflect on this passage with three main ideas. The first one is that church should trust in the Lord. And point number two, that church should know God's plan, or God's future plan for, for the church. And finally, how is the church to be a blessing in this, in this disorienting time? Let me start by giving you a little bit of a background of the situation during the prophet Isaiah. During this time, God's people experienced a time of turmoil, somehow similar to what's going on in the Middle East nowadays. Briefly, the Assyrian Empire was in its final period of greatness. And that the southern kingdom of Judah, God's people, was seriously threatened by this big empire. So you have this big empire. You are in the midst of this disorienting time. You are threatened as God's people. You need help. You need protection. So Judah decided to go to Egypt, to turn to Egypt to rely in it, on its power. It appears that Judah went to Egypt because of stability, because of the wealth they have, but most importantly, and during this time, the idea was and the belief was behind every powerful nation, powerful gods with a small gene. Actually, and this is the challenge here, and that's why God is rebuking his people, as we will see. Actually, when Judah turned to Egypt, he didn't really turn just to the country, not to seek shelter only, but believing in the gods or seeking help from the gods of the Egyptians. And the question came from the Lord, really wondering and asking, why? Why Judah should turn to Egypt? And in, instead of seeking God, trusting God during this, this time. So God rebukes his people for putting their trust in Egypt, revealing to Judah why they shouldn't trust in Egypt. Most simply because they are the subject of God's judgment. 
not because Judah trusted them, but because of their sin, as we will see. And actually what currently leads Judah to Egypt will be soon demolished. How? Let us see the first half of this chapter. What the Bible tells us in in verse 1, the Egyptian gods will not stand in the presence of gods. As it says, the idols of Egypt shall tremble at his presence. So the question, why you are going to Egypt? If their gods cannot stand before the Holy One of Israel, why Judah turned to uh, Egypt? When it comes to uh, the social and political situation, yes, there is stability. But the judgment came, Egyptians will fight against each other. One day, God will send a harsh uh, prison to take over. Again, when it comes to economy, okay, the Nile is the source of life to Egypt. It's very, very important. And what God is saying, actually, if you think the Nile is a source of life, and you are going there to have life, you are mistaken. Because I am the source of life. I can open, and there is rain, and there is river. But when I close the heaven, there is no rain, there is no Nile, and the Nile will dry up. As we can see during this disorienting time in the life of God's people, they went to the wrong direction. They see the wrong During this time in the Middle East in the last few years, because of what's really going on, and this was really a question for the church, it was a challenge for the church in the Middle East, how the church should respond. Some Christians decided, you know what, it is not safe in the Middle East. We can't really stay. We need to find a safe place where we can have a future. We can have stability. We can really feel safe. Uh, regarding the future of our kids. But others decided really to stay. And the message was, and this is what we have been sharing with the churches in, in the MENA region, yes, you can see war and unrest everywhere. But this is not the end. God has a different plan during this time for the church. As you know, I'm teaching in a Bible seminary. It's Arab Baptist Theological Seminary. And as our pastor said this morning, uh, we have some freedom in in Lebanon where people can come and study at, at EBTS from different religion backgrounds. And those kind of people cannot really go and study anywhere else. So we have people coming from North Africa, we have people from Egypt, from Sudan, from South Sudan, from Iraq, Syria, from all over the Middle East come and study at EBTS. But let me tell you that when I start my going back and thought about teaching in the area of Old Testament, I thought this is all what I can do. But really what I found out later 
This is 30% of what I do to stand in the classroom and teach. But we spent, Almas and I, most of our time with students, mentoring students, talking to students, welcoming students to our homes, and have a conversation with them about the situation in the Middle East, about their ministry, about their future, what's their plan after they finish studying at EBTS. And to be honest, some of them are struggling. Because of their religious background, they were kicked out from the family, from their communities, and they are not accepted anymore. And then when, when they come to study in Lebanon, the question in their mind, yes, they know God called them to study. Yes, God called them to ministry. But they ask this question, the question, should we go back or should we find another safe place to live in and to continue serving the Lord? And I thank God for being able to make the decision as a family to go back. While many people were fleeing the Middle East, and Mass and I decided, because God called us to go back and to serve in the Middle East, and let me tell you that, I'm not very really proud of this, but this is really God's work in our life. And he helped us to make this decision to go back to this region. But just by being there as a family, and not just us, many other people from uh, the West uh, serving at EBTS, our life is a good testimony for our students. Because we decided, regardless of what's going in the, on in the Middle East, to go back and to serve God. And when we spend time with our students, the main message to them, we would say, what you see in the Middle East right now is not the end. And if God called you to serve him, you should go back to Iraq, to Syria, to South Sudan, to North Africa, and obey the Lord and serve him. And this is very challenging to our students, very challenging to the church in the MENA region to be obedient and to be faithful to its call during what's going on in, in the Middle East. And the message to our students, trust the Lord. If God called you to serve him, say yes, obey the Lord, trust him, believe in him, and trust he has a plan for your life, and he called you to be a blessing. And what you see in the Middle East right now is not the end. It's not the end. And the media, as you all know, doing a great job to give us really a negative side of what's going on in the Middle East. And we think this is the end. It is not safe. Things going really in, in, in the wrong direction. But what God is doing, as we will read and see in a few minutes, is amazing the opposite, because destruction never been the final word, never been the final stage. God has another plan. So the message we are trying to teach our students is go back, go back. Don't be afraid. And the church in the Middle East need the most this kind of leaders who can really understand on the one hand, what's going on in their communities, what's going on around them, but on the other hand, 
They need to understand God's future plan, to understand His will for the church, and to obey Him, to believe in what the Bible tells us about His plan, and to go and to serve Him. What does this mean for us as a church here? As I said, this is for the Middle East. What about us here? I think when the church struggles, not just in the Middle East, but everywhere, as a church, I think we need to ask ourselves how we can respond. And I think the church here, Yulit Church, is doing a great job. Because the role of the church here in the West, in my opinion, is to be a source of encouragement to the church where there is no stability, when things are not really going well. And you have been doing a great job as a church in this area. And let me tell you how. First, by sponsoring some Syrian families or families to come and to be here. This is a great opportunity to give people a chance to have a safe place for them, for their kids, for their future, to come here and to have a place to, to stay. But again, CPM is doing a great job when it comes to helping Syrian refugees in Lebanon. Uh, because of the work CBM is doing, showing God's love to people, by helping them, giving them food and trying to help with the education and with many other things. Many people show God's love through this kind of help. And they came to know the Lord as their Savior. I would like to thank the church for two more things. Number one, I would like to thank the church for sending Pastor Sheldon last year. And I remember just how we used to walk together and talking about what's going on in our lives, what's going on in our region. And the message he brought to us was very encouraging. That church back home is praying for you, stand with you, supporting you, believing in you. And trust me, we survive in our mission work because of you are praying for us. And we count on your prayers and I think without your prayers, we cannot continue serving the Lord. But I would like to take, take this opportunity to thank you as a church for your prayer support and for your financial support for us in the last couple of years. And we are really, very grateful because of this kind of support. We are able to go back to stand with the church during this tough time, to be able to equip other people to go back to their own countries and to lead the church and to make a difference in their communities. Is destruction the end? God would say, no, it is not the end. He has another plan. Rather than turning to Egypt, and this is my second point, God invites his people, invites us to understand his future plan and to live according to this plan. God is the one who strikes. But remember, he is also the God who can heal. And this heal will take place on that day. On that day. God has a day 
He has a plan. He has a construction plan. And he is really uh, inviting all of us to participate in this project. And on that day, many things will happen. First, as we have read in verse 18, Egypt will turn to the Lord. Egypt will turn to the Lord. And God is telling his people, don't never think you can do that. But I will reveal myself once again to the Egyptians, as I have, as I have done during the time of Moses. But back then, maybe they didn't hear. But at this moment of history, they will know I am the Lord, your God. And they will come and worship with you here in this city. There will be an altar and uh, a pillar in Egypt dedicated to the Lord. But Egypt will experience an exodus, as God's people did when they were in Egypt. Remember God's people when we were in Egypt? They cried to the Lord. And the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 2 and 3, God heard their prayer and came down to rescue them. And what God is saying in this passage, yes, yes, I will strike the Egyptians. I will discipline these people, but I don't want to destroy them. When I discipline them, they will cry to me. And I am a merciful and gracious God. I will hear their prayers. I will rescue them and they will come to know me as Lord. So this knowledge, this knowledge will transform their hearts and mind. And the question to God's people and to Judah, well, why you need to go to Egypt? Why you trust the Egyptian gods? Actually, Egypt will come to you. And they will worship your God. And this is my plan. This is my plan. When things go wrong, God has a different plan. God has a different plan. Is that the end? Again, no. The end hasn't come yet. As I said, God has a construction project yet to be finished. The building of a highway between all these ancient hostile enemies. A highway is a favorite term in the book of Isaiah for the removal of separation and to bring unity and peace between these countries. So this highway will lead all this nation to worship the Holy One of Israel to As one of the Old Testament scholars said, and I quote, God is telling Judah, do not make a highway to Egypt in in order to escape Assyria. If you do that, this is your work, but this is not God's work. God's work is different. Your only hope, and for Egypt too, is in your Gods who can break down all the barriers between this country and to bring unity and peace when they know and acknowledge the Lord as their gods. This should be as a church all the time our hope and our prayer. 
is that God, we want to participate with you. We know you have a construction plan, different from what we see every day. And you invited us as your people to understand what you have in mind for our nations, for our communities, for the people around us. And when we bow down, cry to the Lord, seeking his face, we really want to understand his will and his future plan. He will reveal us his plan through his word. And as a church, what really motivates us to carry, to carry out our mission, not what we see by our eyes, but when we trust in God's plan. And we decide and we say with Paul, we are working with God. We are working with him. He is doing a different kind of work from what we have been seeing by our eyes. How we have seen that in the Middle East. If you know a little bit of a history, and maybe you've heard that before, Syria, uh, sorry, Syria. And by the way, before I continue, I'm not trying to make any links between Assyria and Syria and Egypt and all these countries nowadays. I'm just trying to draw some principles from this biblical passage. To go back, if you read a little bit of history of between Syria and, and Lebanon, uh, Syria occupied Lebanon for many, many years. And it was a very tough time for Lebanese people and even for Syrian people themselves. And almost every Christian family, every Christian Lebanese family lost one of its members during this year, uh, uh, war for many, many years. As soon as Syrians left the country, uh, the Lebanese people are having a really hard time to reconcile once again with their enemies. And all of a sudden, when the war started in the Middle East, and just many, we have almost one million and a half now Syrian refugees in, in, uh, in Lebanon. And all of a sudden, the church found itself, well, now we have at our door million and a half Syrian refugees, our enemies, and they are seeking our help. And this was a huge test for the church. To be honest, some people or some churches said, no, I'm not going to open the door. They are our enemies. While others decided to open the door. And this was a journey of healing, process of forgiveness. But here we can see what the Bible is talking about. Is bringing this kind of reconciliation, unity, peace between these hostile countries once again when people decided to open their doors, when the church decided to open its door, to welcome people, to forgive to people, and to believe God has a different plan. And as a result, many people came to know the Lord as their Savior in the midst of what's going on right now. And this is the highway God is planning to build. When you see these hostile countries, and sometimes I wondered myself, and I said, God, is there is an end one day to this? Are we going to see an end to this? And the answer came back from this passage, yes. The answer, when all these nations know the Lord as their Savior, 
he will be able to build a highway between them. And because of what he has done, God, in the person of Jesus Christ, to reconcile everyone from every nation to himself, we can have this unity and peace and love. And we have a different hope, not just for ourselves, who, who believed in Jesus Christ, but for the broken world around us. Another example, as I said, we have people coming from a different backgrounds, and they were kicked out of their homes and families and communities. And I praise the Lord really for what God is doing through EBTS, and for the people are there who have a very gifted people at EBTS. And one of them designed this program to help those who are coming from a different religious background. And some of them really come to us, and they haven't talked to their families for three years, five years. And the first thing in the first year we do is how we can help these students to reconcile again with their families back home. How they can help them to understand what it means. I follow Jesus Christ right now. And we have witnessed and we have seen many, many of them. By the end of the third year, they were able to go during the summertime to visit their families one more time. And just last month, a Palestinian student came to us and said, I went and I saw my family. I was able to talk to my cousin. And one of my cousins accepted the Lord as her savior. This is the message of reconciliation. And this is God's dream. And we as a church are called to obey and to listen to this, this dream. Finally, how we can do that? God is saying, let me remind you of your call. While Judah was working hard to survive the political situation between Assyria and Egypt, God reminds his people of the purpose of their being there during this very moment in history. When he first called their father, Abraham, do you remember the promise in Genesis 12? To be a blessing in the midst of the earth. And here once again, we can see this is the most needed voice breaking through in this time of instability, insecurity, for God to come and to remind his people, remember, remember from the beginning I called you to be a blessing. Don't freak out. Don't worry. Don't try to think or to find shelter for yourself. Have a different plan. In the midst of all what's going on around you, I called you to be a blessing for all nations. Actually, this calling of being a blessing is a challenge for all of us. As I said, in a region where war and unrest everywhere, the church in the Middle East is struggling. And I don't think just in the Middle East. The church everywhere is struggling. Maybe you are personally are struggling. Maybe you are going through tough time. Maybe life is just upside down. Maybe you are asking God, God, what's going on around me? I'm not able to understand. Maybe you are trying to flee the situation. Remember, remember, God has a different plan. 
God has a different plan. And what we need as a church during this time is to do one thing. To bow down. To cry to the Lord. To seek his face. To listen to his voice. To go back to his word. And ask him to reveal to us his future plan. And the plan is, I have a highway construction plan to build. And he's inviting you, he's inviting me, he's inviting all of us to join him in this project. Would you say amen?